start your sublight engines, it's time for RuPalp's Pod Race, a queer Star Wars podcast. This week, we're stepping back into the higher public phase two uh, with the first adult novel Convergence and a very special guest, the novel's author, Zoraida Cordova. Um, my name is Mel. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on social media at Melvin Culpa and on TikTok at Grunkle Rex. And my gender this week is they named a Star Wars character after fan. Fantu and Ziri, they have the two apartments, just like... Stop, <laughs> stop, stop. No, they don't, first of all. First of all, no, they don't. Second of all. Okay, I'm going to go. <laughs> My name is Ollie. I use any pronouns. You can find me on social media at Ollie Fresh. It's Fresh the PH. And my gender this week is Axel Greylark Cringe Compilation. I just, I feel like if you took all of the moments that he does something cringy in this book, you could have like your own, but a different book. Uh, they and I the- love that for him. They should like, do with the audiobook with the vine boom sound in between. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I hate the Jedi. Boom. <laughs> Hi, my name is Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says. Um, my gender this week is um, also has to do with Fantu, and it is the Percy Jacksonification of Star Wars. Um, as soon as I met that boy, I was like, that's Percy Jackson. And he's like, he likes to swim. He likes the ocean. I was like, oh, Percy Jackson. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I met Ziri and I was like, the the Percibethification of Star Wars. I I became some sort of uh, different being when it happened. I became some sort of different person. Also, my partner is listening to Percy Jackson for the first time right now. So reading this at the same time, I was like, oh, I've become, I've become the monster. I've become some sort of inhumanly being when it occurred so and i am zoraida cordova and my pronouns are she her and this week uh my pronouns is uh actually uh quinn the little robot robot droid (laughs) axel graylark's droid who knows better but is also an enabler (laughs) no absolutely quinn is literally a like an emotional support animal that's like okay and (laughs) <laughs> like my, it's kind of like having a cat as an emotional support animal. Like they're helpful, but like they're not. They're not gonna. They're not gonna help you be better. To be honest, <laughs> like they're evil. Yeah, they're making you worse. They Actively. said it, it's like that. That that um that meme that's like, oh, I could fix him. Well, I could make him worse. That is literally Quinn. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh, thank you guys so much for having me here. Thank you for oh, coming on. This is very exciting. Yeah, um, we should also note that there are going to be, um, for those listening, there are going to be spoilers for Convergence. So if you have not read Convergence, come back and listen to this when you've read it. Or if you just don't care about spoilers, you're welcome to stay. But So yeah, if if any of you have seen us on social media, as soon as we could talk about this book after the embargo lifted, we couldn't shut up about it. So we we're very excited to talk about it today. Um, but we wanted to start with a question we ask um, all the authors that come on, which is just... Zoraida, what is your background with Star Wars? Like, how did you get into it as a kid? Um, like, what's your general favorite part of it? Well, I've been answering this question a lot over the years. And I think that my answer sort of changes a little bit each time uh, because I honestly don't remember. I feel like I always just was a Star Wars fan because it was always in my household. Um, my uncles uh, were always they were huge fans. My mother has always loved uh, Arturito, right? R2D2. And uh, she, and so when we, when my brother and I, my brother, my little brother, he's 30, but you know, he's always my little brother. Uh, When we were kids, we would watch the movies all the time, like uh, on repeat. And I had a teacher who gave me when they remastered the the original trilogy, he gave me, I was such a good student that he gave me like, the remastered VHSs for for Christmas one year, or as like a graduation, or not a graduation present because I was I was seventeen by then. But but like and and that just sort of like people just gave us Star Wars stuff, and um and so it was part of my it was just part of like my origin story. I love two things: I love the Little Mermaid and I love Star Wars, and I feel like that is my entire personality. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to like when you look at my my body of work uh i feel like you you see that those influences there for sure um 
but it is it is a constant thing it is it's a world that has always engaged my imagination uh i literally never imagined as a kid that i would be writing for star wars now and uh i just feel very grateful to have been giving these opportunities yeah now that you mention it i I think absolutely I see the influences both here in, in Convergence, but also um, I have read um, uh, Inheritance of Orchidea um, Divina and that I'm, I realize I'm connecting the dots and that is making so much more sense now. That's, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> when you were saying the, like the piece about like, I don't know how you got in, how I got into it. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I'm very similar except my family, none of them like Star Wars. I legitimately don't know how it, permeated into my home so so thank you for the validation there because there's there's all these people who are like oh yeah I remember seeing the movies in the theater my dad showing it to me or whatever and I'm like literally don't know um so validation thank you (laughs) (laughs) so the next question that we have is um you know you've written for Star Wars before but what was it like working with like the High Republic team and joining as one of like the phase two authors like how what is the vibe there not surprising is not the right word but it was very exciting uh to to be able to to join the High Republic initiative I've been watching of course I'm I'm you know so many of them they're all my buds now um but I've known Daniel and Claudia for so long um that it's just been been great jumping in there and seeing the storylines that they had created and and so it's sort of like the scaffolding has been there for the different phases and um and so coming into phase two uh it was learning new characters new uh new situations new villains new new heroes um and so for me my job was when when um I got the email to like to op- the offer to to join um it was like well where do I fit in what is what is the story that I want to tell within phase two within this new world where we have you know a war going on and um and you know the path of the open hand this mysterious cult uh and so I started looking at the tropes that I the tropes that I love and the and and when I say tropes I mean just like the genre conventions of fantasy uh, and science fiction. Uh, and so what are the storylines that I love? What do I love about Star Wars in general? And and so I use all of that to, to put together a pitch and uh, an outline and get it approved. <laughs> so that was incredible. Like I was, I, after I sent in that outline, I was like, they're going to hate it. Oh no. Um, but I do that for every single project that isn't even Star Wars. So it's just part of my process, the freaking out after I'm like, I'm genius. I suck. This is great. It is, it's a roller coaster. It's very, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> but yeah, you said that uh, there were specific themes that like you think about in fantasy and sci-fi, but also like within Star Wars itself, that was kind of a question that we were going to ask was like, is there anything specific in Star Wars, whether that is a theme or like, a specific like storyline or something like that that you think inspired you or that you were thinking about like you put in that outline um or and was there anything like you know were there any pieces of fantasy or sci-fi that also like inspired you there or were there just like general ideas that you wanted to make sure you included I think it's I think it was general ideas but as soon as I saw oh we have a we have a war between these two planets I was like wedding (laughs) (laughs) no and we love it I think that was like what is really nice is like this felt very Star Wars, but also didn't feel like I I I'm hesitant to say like oh well it was one of the same old tropes that they always use for whatever because I think that that's a silly thing to say but I think it was really really refreshing seeing this kind of story being told and given the the grace that it deserved because I think it'd be really easy to do like a a love story like this and have it be very like half baked but this felt like it was made with such love. And such a dedication to these characters, but also to preserving the world. So I think that is yeah. really neat. Yeah. And so I kept asking myself, like, well, what what makes people stop fighting? Right. And 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 also why do we fight in general? And I I, I cannot answer. That is an existential question that people have tried to answer for for, for centuries. Um, but 
it is trying to figure out why Aram and Arano are fighting. And I'm, and so I just came to this conclusion as like, this is a cycle. This is a cycle. Why did Romeo and Juliet's parent, like families fight, right? We don't know. They just always have. Um, and so it is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a battle. It's a war until somebody decides to stop or until your young heirs die, right? <laughs> uh, by a double suicide. Um, and, and I didn't want to go that route because for me, the most important part of writing fantasy and science fiction is the idea of hope. And I think that's why we go back to Star Wars so much. Um, and so it, it once I, I sort of had this, the framework, the wedding is, is the conceit, it's the framework of having a timeline, having something to, to drive toward. Um, and, and so once I had that, I was like, okay, well, who are my characters and who, you know, Fantu, Ziri and Axel were, I created like those after, um, for this, for the outline specifically, um, Gela had been already in the world. Um, and so I was like, I like her. She's described as not surly, but <laughs> sort of, she's like, you know, uh, 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 a Jedi who like tells it like it is uh, and is very blunt. Um, and so I felt like I love when opposites have to work together uh, and that creates a lot of fun tension and, and just genuine uh, shenanigans. Yeah. I feel like in this book specifically, the like dynamics between the characters are just so fun and like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's so exciting to see these characters, especially in, like, a Star Wars setting where it's, like, of course, like, you have, like, Han and Leia who are, like, the kind of, like, opposites, like, you know, princess and smuggler. But to have yes. such juxtaposed characters were just, it was so good. Yeah, I, I know Mel and I, um, we live together. Um, we have spent so many nights being, like, oh, my gosh, I wonder what kind of conversations they were having on that cruiser. Like, what kind, were they playing Never Have I Ever? What were they doing? What were they getting up to? We talk about that all the time because their dynamics are just so good. They were playing Criff yeah. Never Honeymoon Decapitate. Stop. They were. <laughs> um, Axel is like all of it, all of them. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I did. I, I, there are some times where, like, I, 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 in the final later rounds of of the of the edits I, I added I was like well Fanju is probably looking at Axel and is like both jealous and probably is like that is a pretty man I too am gonna do pull-ups today right <laughs> so true I'm obsessed with that yeah <laughs> yeah god I just I love so I them like... so much <laughs> <laughs> I definitely could have stayed in on the barge way longer but I was like oh man it's uh, like we're never gonna get to Aram if if we stay in on Arano <laughs> can we have convergence 0.5 like the Lion King one and a half <laughs> where they like have like okay let's actually explore this one idea one a little bit more yeah. Tr okay Gela truth or dare <laughs> no. <laughs> um. no because the problem is that Gela is saying truth every time and Axel would be dare every time and that that is yeah. what I'm talking about. That is a good dynamic. Um, anyways. And Ziri would be daring all the time, whereas Fantu would be also be a truth truth teller. So true. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I feel like if I see if you see them as as just straight up archetypes, like Ziri is more like Axel in a way that their parents are both leaders. Uh, but Ziri has chosen to go in the way in the the way of like responsibility and Axel has chosen the irresponsible route. <laughs> did you, did you have a favorite character to write or one that like you gravitated towards most or maybe just gravitate towards first or anything like that? I know you said that like Gela already existed and you were like, Oh, I, she's interesting to me. But like, was there a specific mm -hmm. character that, that you were like, I quite enjoy this one. You know, I, I think that they all have different aspects that I love about reading fiction in general. Um, you know, you have the the commander who is just trying to keep her people alive. And then 
you have the soft cinnamon roll uh boy who just wants to swim and and like make his mother's proud um and then axel who's just likes to get in trouble just because that's just who he is i think that chapter five is one of my favorite opening chapters even though the the open like the first five chapters of convergence i had to write i had to outline them together because to me they were like dominoes tipping each other into a different action sequence um because you wouldn't be able to have uh you wouldn't be able to 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 have them in a different order uh <laughs> no matter how much we tried i was like this is the order that the, these chapters have to be in and these this is the order that their introductions have to be um and so that was my favorite that was my favorite part for sure uh another I have a lot of favorite parts, but, <laughs> but I'll, 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 you know, I'll, I'll stick with that. I think that something that is really funny about the order of that, not necessarily funny, that's not the right word. Um, but something that I really like is how it juxtaposes like all of this, um, like strife, this, this intergalactic strife that's happening. And then Axel being like, haha, I'm in severe credit card debt. <laughs> like just, I just, I was not. Honestly, I owe somebody money. Yeah, he's like, mm, something's not right here. Wow, I'm sure I'm happy that I'm not. I'm not in the middle of a war right now. Oh, mother, what is? What was that? No. Um, which mother was he talking about, though? Ooh, ooh see, <laughs> truly. Uh, no, it's just that I. I just I love the like how all of the characters are introduced, and it really, as you were saying, like it really goes to like these opposite kind of characters with very opposite thought processes and very opposite um like goals suddenly all finding this commonality between them and like the opening illustrates that so well like you know what you're getting when you start reading the book which I adore I just kind of wanted to um talk a little bit about um Ziri and Fantu for a moment um because I deeply yes. love their love story um and you know we we see a lot of love stories in Star Wars, but they feel different. How did other love stories in Star Wars impact, if at all, how you developed their kind of dynamic and like the story, their overall arc? Um, were there any inspirations outside of Star Wars? Outside of Star Wars, I mean, you know, I'm a romance writer. <laughs> uh, and so I, I think I just spend a lot of my time reading other romances and, uh, you know, Everyone from Adriana Herrera, Alexis Staria, all the Latina romance authors. And I think that there's something really difficult about making two people like each other on the page. Um, because it's not like in movies where, like, you know, you see them look at each other, you see them uh brush hands and I think that that's it's so it is I feel like romance on the page is so much harder um and so I I I try to just read as much I, I'm I'm an input kind of writer where I need a lot of input of by of other of other literature and other um movies tv etc so I just spend a lot of time revisiting uh old favorites uh in, in addition to 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 star wars and and just feeling like as a reader and as a viewer what what makes me upset and the thing that makes me upset is when like when we don't fully when we don't fully see the connection on the page and i think that like that's done by really small moments you know and 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 i just wanted to make sure that that was on the page for fantu and ziri um but I am the kind of writer, this kind of Star Wars writer where I feel like my my first inspiration is always going to be original Star Wars itself because I know some people like less romance, but I'm always like, let's have more of it. <laughs> uh, so when I watched Rebels, I was like, but I want to see Kanan and Hera have more so time true. together. Right. No, I am um, <laughs> once again. I'm on an advocate for Rebels as the best, <laughs> the best visual Star Wars media. So I can't express how happy I am to hear you talk about them. And they are the best love story. Like Kanan and Hera. I mean, other than like Thrawn and Eli, obviously. No, but 
know, but like Kanan and Hera, like they are the best love story. Like everybody agrees. Even people who don't like Rebels, they're like, they're like, yeah, yes. they're it right there. And and they're like the ones who like you watch it and then like, you're like, wait, they weren't married the whole time? I didn't know. I thought they were. So <laughs> the way you captured that same f- feeling where you were like, there's something with these two the whole time. Uh, okay. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know how to just, I don't know how to put this into words other than like reading this book I felt like I was watching the the hand touch scene from Pride and Prejudice 2005 like over and over again of like first of all Axel Grey like you are not slick the touching of his chest like oh my gosh like some type of like (laughs) like like maiden um (laughs) um but also just like Ziri and Fantu having like this kind of like oh like no we have to get married oh no we have to get married for your for peace oh no oh no it's like <laughs> so good no i think about that scene all the time where they are sparring and gela walks in and it's just like hey guys <laughs> like yeah anyway and they're like oh oh um this was kind of like an a b conversation it's great to have you though like i think about that all the time it's like <laughs> oh their chemistry was not just because of the decision that they had to make they had that before and i love that for them so true. Speaking of the the two heirs to Iram and Irino, um, what was the process for fleshing out the the lore and world building for Iram and Irino? Did you work with Claudia Gray um, and the other High Republic authors um, to ensure things were cohesive? Was there a plan uh, all along? I, you know, I I think that there was there was one note where um, I knew that one had to be a desert ish planet, and one had to be an ocean planet because so I I looked at the phase I got I went through the material for phase one uh I read um it's into the shadows right um Claudia's book into the dark into the dark yeah uh into the dark out of the shadows uh and so I read I read that book uh and and that book you know mostly takes place on the the flashbacks on on the little moon on Aerie uh or the timekeeper moon depending on where where you are (laughs) And, and after that, I just sort of went, I, I had the the free range to do it on my own to, to figure out like, okay, what, a, what does it mean to live on an arid planet? And, you know, I, I get it. People are like, do you like Dune? No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's not Dune. Dune is not my inspiration. Sorry, so guys. Uh, my inspiration was sort of the, the, the high deserts of the southwest and uh, uh that that those canyons in tucson um uh like the grand canyon right uh and so it is it is like it's hot it's dry um there's a lot of dust in the air um but it's not like tatooine sand right um and so what does it mean to live in this kind of planet where like you're battling the planet in addition to battling your neighbor across this corridor of space. And for, um, for Aram, uh, for part of the year when I was developing the story, I was in Puerto Rico, uh, cause, uh, that's where my family has an apartment and we're not Puerto Rican, but my, uh, my family has lived, uh, my uncle has lived there for, for, for decades. And, and so they left, let me borrow their apartment. My uncles let me borrow their apartment so I could write. <laughs> uh, and so the blue waters of the Caribbean really inspired uh, Aram. Um, and 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 so that's that's sort of where I went as far as inspiration. And then I looked at monarchy structures. Uh, there were some things that were already set in stone from phase one. Uh, and then I could just keep developing their mythology right like what kind of sea monsters are in aram what kind what uh i one thing that lydia kang and i both did is uh i don't know why i got caught up with like the scorpion idea and when lydia and i were having dinner at a festival we bumped into each other at a festival in savannah i forgot where we i think it was in savannah uh we had dinner and we were talking about our books and i was like i want to do this i like i want this like animal symbol and she she found this like real weird tendrils and it's kind of fuzzy and it looks like a nightmare 
And I was like, well, what if they both have, it's like that Galapagos theory, right? Like birds from, they'll, they'll have the same origin, but they look different in two different places. And so if the idea is that like Aram and Arano at their cellular level, they are very similar. They each have their scorpions, right? Um, And so that that part Lydia and I created together uh and um and everything else is was just the my favorite parts of world building which is finding mythology finding stories uh because at, you know what what do these people believe in uh everybody in the galaxy believes in in a different version of the force uh and so what is what does that mean for for these planets especially now that they are faced with the jedi um and so that was that was just really fun yeah you you saying this i was just thinking so much about like how how Iram and Irino are in this like tentative piece now and then we know like back in phase one row, things are not looking good so that just makes me so so afraid sad, <laughs> sad afraid <laughs> of what's going to happen but also that weirdly reminds me of like the original trilogy and the sequels and just like how these kind of things like echo one another is so interesting um, and I'm also kind of curious, to that extent, perhaps will things in this book have echoes in phase three? Who is to say? <laughs> I don't think you are legally to say, but I'm <laughs> next. I just can't. <laughs> I, no. you know, who knows? Oh, time will tell, right? <laughs> that it will. Um, yeah, I think it's, I'm also just, I love hearing you talk about like, how they connect like through the phases I know we're just like real quick like do you have a favorite part of phase one of the higher public that you've read just like little characters you like or anything like that Um, I really I think I've really really loved um I love so many things about all the books right but uh I really loved when uh Elzar accidentally has sex and is like oh no I had sex (laughs) so true it's so uh love that for him <laughs> he's like oh I, I i may have i may have fucked up literally um i may have oh this was not the and time. i know i know i should give like a serious professional answer but it was just so one refreshing and also i like i could hear it in cav's voice right like like as if he's narrating and i was like this is just such a fun moment because it 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 sort of humanizes the jedi right and then uh there's something really beautiful about claudia's opening sequence in the third the third adult the third delbray um and i also just really love wreath silas he's my favorite character from phase from phase one uh because he's just such a noob and he, he, I just want the best for him. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you bring up Elzar because the next question that I actually have is not about him, but I mentioned it in like when I was writing it. Um, while we have like characters who are in, who are a little bit older, like in their like thirties ish in phase one, we don't get a lot of like, uh, characters who are of that age, like really doing a like trying to find their place in the world story which is something that Gela really struggles with. Gela is like one of my favorite High Republic characters as of right now. I adore her um, but a lot of the times the stories and the feelings that she is going through are reserved for younger characters even like adult centric stories. Like where was the idea for her and like her internal struggle like where did that kind of come from? What was it like to write that? I mean I I think that I'm 35 and sometimes even though I'm I'm an adult I pay taxes I have an LLC and sometimes I still feel like what the hell am I doing right like am I doing everything right uh and I I feel like we imagine people as having one coming of age when you're a teenager and I just feel like that's inherently false I feel like every time we get a new job we meet a new person that changes our life. Like, I feel like we're always coming of age in different ways. And um, instead of calling it a midlife crisis or a quarter life crisis, it's just the next level of, of growing up. And 
Gela has has had an ideal of what it means to be a Jedi for so long and she hasn't quite reached it and she doesn't know why. And and so instead of looking outwardly at other Jedi, out of all people, it's Axel Greylark who makes her realize like she needs to look inward, right? Um in a sense. I haven't I haven't reread the book since I turned it in and said goodbye to it. <laughs> since they pried it from my cold dead fingers <laughs> um uh and so so I you know that is that's that is that was like my last idea of her when after I you know hit that last send was sort of envisioning her as like as, as we're always always growing and and I feel like you know it's never it's never too late like you don't reach 27 and they're like well I'm done growing up now <laughs> um and how many lessons did Obi-Wan have to learn even as an older Jedi right um and so uh looking at that I think that's a really like it's it's a really refreshing thing I think we I I think we've like seen more of it in recent times but it's always like very exciting to see that kind of story um speaking of Gela um was it like intentional I'm sure it was but Gela and Axel kind of represent two different paths for dealing with like trauma because Gela is like losing her Pathfinder team with whatever happened there and Axel losing his father and to me it always seems like like they're both internalizing it but they're both expressing it in very different ways like where they developed is almost mirrors for each other yes uh yeah, they are they are supposed to be sort of mirrors of each other. Actually, Axel and Gela and Ziri and Fantu are sort of answers to the question that I pose to myself is how do you make love work? How do you make peace stay? Right? And so one does it very well and one does not. And obviously there's so many things that go into it. Gela is a Jedi. She would not be who she is if she were no longer a Jedi, like if she left the Jedi Order, right? It, it's not an option for her. Um, but she also can't deny the impact of meeting somebody who hates everything she is at first. Um, or everything she stands for. Not It's like, it's not you. It's just the thing that you're part of right and um and so they I, the both of them i hesitate to call them couples but they're a set of twos so yeah so like the 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 couples um they are foils of each other um it's it's the the way that uh padme and anakin are foils to obi-wan and satine right it's one is giving into your passion and desire and one is giving into your idea of duty and choosing duty first um so yeah <laughs> seeing these characters like learn over the course of the book and like seeing them being in this forced proximity and having to confront their biases especially axel having to be like no i hate the jedi and then and he's like oh my jedi knight like I, I know guess that's I'll not braid how your it, hair. I guess I'll like I'll just like braid your hair and you know I'm writing you know, your yeah. name in my soup in prison in jail. Girl, yeah. you are so he's so down bad. It's insane. Like when I finished reading the book, my first thought was, oh my gosh, this is like top three down bad Star Wars characters. Like, like it's Anakin, it's Axel Greylark, and I'm trying to think who who's the Kanan third Jarrus. <laughs> <laughs> no but seeing them just seeing them grow and seeing Gela gain this like this confidence from looking within and Axel gaining this like almost respect from looking outwards is just it's so ah it like does something in my brain I adore it <laughs> I, I feel like that comes from like you said that a lot of your inspiration comes from being like a romance writer so like you understand that like good romance also comes from like when the people themselves uh develop because they are you know because they meet each other and i i could so tell this like 
my partner's a literary agent. They're always talking about like books or whatever. And they have, they have clients who are, who are romance writers, whatever. And they talk about this constantly. And then I read this book and I was like, I already knew you were a romance writer, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, see, that's why you get it. And that's why romance, people who don't write romance, like they, they don't get it. Like they, they understand, they understand human psychology better than anybody else. Um, so that's why I was like, even if you weren't writing a romance, I was like, but you, you get it in here. So that's why I was like, uh, it, even if they, even if they weren't a thing, I was like, irrevocably changed by meeting each other. Oh, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so obsessed. <laughs> And it's not, it's even, like, not the, even characters who aren't necessarily um, foils to one another in that, like, one-two sense. Like, Ziri and Gela, like, learn from each other and grow from each other. Fantu and Axel, etc. Like, any combination therein of those four people. And that is really cool and, I don't know, exciting to see in in Star Wars where, like, we usually have, like, the one guy that we're, we're, we're really focusing in on, except for the sequels, because, you, you know, you have Rey. Um, but, you know, this is our one guy, and he's on a struggle bus. No, four people are all on a struggle bus right now. And it's um, called a barge. And a it's called barge. a barge. <laughs> it's a struggle it's very, barge. It's very Rebels coded, if, if, you, so if true. you looked at it. Um, who is the, but, quick, who is the Zeb of the barge? <laughs> we, we can't keep doing this. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like every time we um, talk an author i have to bring up zeb in some capacity so true <laughs> look i i love zeb he's you know it, it it is uh i i did listen to like zeb's rock song from from the rebels soundtrack in my soundtrack of, oh my gosh you're i do have i have like the convergence soundtrack on my yeah. spotify and so like half of it is like songs from they're kind of like spy songs because i watched a lot oh that was another thing i watched i watched every single 007 from the daniel craig version and um and J- i keep calling him james born jason born um it's like it's like fellfire born fellfire born but it's james born it's james born uh and and so i kept i i like i watched a lot of action movies to sort of prep myself um because i i I know the beats of of an action movie, but it is it was just sort of like to have a I, I just like to see the sequences and just like well what makes what intrigues me, mm. um yeah and so yeah. <laughs> you know what? Actually, when you say that, thinking about that, the scene where Axel gets in the bar fight, like where they're like attacking, that does feel very much like a Daniel Craig James Bond like sequence. Like I can completely see that in that directorial style. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, that. <laughs> I also i did i have listened to your convergence playlist um i'll i will confess we also have yeah. about eight million my favorite of bitch being called meow meow boy behind bars about axel gray like what he's listening to in jail his jail playlist there's a lot of in sync on there <laughs> he's going through something yes i actually i did listen to that playlist a couple weeks ago uh oh my <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I had crazy. it. I had it. I had it earmarked. Um, and so somebody was like, "Well, why is I bust the windows out your car on your convergence playlist?" And I was like, "Well, it's for when Gala's mad." <laughs> Finally, when <laughs> is it she... the Glee version? <laughs> what <laughs> Glee version? The Claudia the Glee version. <laughs> no, Claudia. Like no. Was, I feel like she would. She would be one of those people who's like, listen. It's not a good show, but they do some kick. They do some kick. No, Gal on a tie is a recovering gleek. If I've ever seen one, to be quite honest, though, I fear. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, moving on from who is a gleek in Star Wars? Um, in Convergence, it's definitely fan too. Exactly. Thank you. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Sorry. I got really like, aggressive there. I'm sorry. Um. In Convergence, the main point of view characters, save for Ziri, um, even though we are team brown Ziri here, um, <laughs> were people of color. Um, how did it feel and what was it, the process of creating a diverse cast of characters like this? Did your own identity, if at all, come into writing these characters in this world? You know, it, it's hard because it's hard to, to answer that. Um, I've, I've actually had this conversation with Daniel, Daniel a lot uh, on another uh, my podcast deadline city we talked about sort of like race coding like how do you code for race when 
Latin America doesn't exist, right? So like, mm-hmm. can you have Latinos in space without Latin America? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we can. We can figure it out. Um, I, For me, it just sort of went into this idea of um, what I just write the world as I see it. I know we're in a, a galaxy far, far away. But the if our world, our world is just like one planet and we have so many different kinds of people, then it just makes sense that a galaxy with millions and millions of planets also has a lot of different kinds of people. And so I I, um, I sort of sketch terrible sketches. They're hideous. <laughs> I sketch uh, characters before I start writing in a notebook. And I actually have a notebook um, what for each for each book that I start and it's covered in stickers um I my my convergence notebook has like a Ben Solo with uh with his little torn up sweater I remember shrugging yeah I remember you posting that on Twitter and being like oh my gosh it's happening I love yeah Um, and I, you know, I just have a lot, I have a lot of Star Wars stickers. I, 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 you know, it is just, it's just part of, it's just part of my, my process. Right. And so I, I, I sketch out what I think this person looks like, looks like in my head. I don't usually pick actors because I, it's not that I don't watch a lot of TV. It's like, I just don't really retain a lot of information. My brain is spaghetti, especially after this pandemic. Um, and so I, after I figure out, okay, this person looks this way, uh, for something like Star Wars, we always, like, I always make a point to say, like, Latina, uh, indigenous coded or Afro-Latina coded or something like that, right? Because especially in Latin America, we have so many different kinds of people, right? Like Latino, Latino is not a race. Um, it's, it's a, geographical area and so like if I want somebody to look a certain way I say like they look this way uh for Axel specifically I was watching Wheel of Time and I was like Daniel Henney is so handsome (laughs) um and so I sort of pictured a younger Daniel Henney when I was because you know when they're like well what does Axel look like send us some reference photos I was like if Lux Terry and (laughs) and Daniel Henney got a baby (laughs) Oh my god! Lux I was Bonteri. not expecting a Lux Bonteri pull, no, but I'm so just, I'm, just like his, you know, he's like you know, he's like he's like you know, from the core world and has like you know, dresses very nicely. He's a rich, rich galaxy boy. <laughs> so in that sense, right? Like I was like, give him nice clothes, like Lux. Uh, <laughs> um. But Lux Monteri yeah. wishes he was Axel Greylark. Let's just get that out of the way. Did he read historical RPF about Axel Greylark? No. I think he did. No. Step, away. <laughs> Step away. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah. So all of that to say, uh, the part of my identity that comes into this book is sort of the idea of migration. Um. Because I, when I, you know, I immigrated to the United States when I was a kid, I think I was like five or six. And we, uh, when I finally immigrated for good, I had, I'd come to visit my grandmother, you know, a few years. She'd been here since the eighties. Um, but there's, there's this idea of, of people migrating in the Star Wars universe, we don't call it that, right? Sometimes we just say refugees, but nobody says immigration in Star Wars. And that is that is technically like what's happening, right? Like if if you're if your planet when the Empire is displacing people, all of these people have to go somewhere. So they go to another planet. Um they they populate the nearest place that will take them in. Leia is shepherding refugees all over the place in different books and extra you know extra media that we've we've gotten from there and so for me it was important to show even in um in characters like Iana per se who's that the 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 Corin not Corin sorry um the Mancala uh 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 character uh when they get to Ziggy's pub in Arano uh you know she 
talks about like, I had to go because my planet is at war. So where do I go? But then I got here and this planet is at war. So where do I, where do you go in the galaxy that is safe? And so this idea of safety, um, just, you know, I was, I, I, I could think about myself, even though, you know, we had a very, I have a very boring immigration story, right? Like we left Ecuador, came to Queens and that's it. Um, but there are a lot of people in the world that that's not the case for them and, and, and they can't leave or they're forced to go. Um, and so I think that those themes are in Star Wars from day one, right? From from A New Hope. Uh, and I, I can't escape that. And I don't think I could write around it um, because it's a it's I think it's a reality no matter no matter where you go, whether it's fiction or, or our world. Um, and so it, you know, it was just really important to me to write a realistic story and that just includes everyone it includes everybody <laughs> absolutely and i i'm thinking about kind of what you've said there and in, in relation to like fantu's story because i thought that was really special and like something that we both have seen in star wars before obviously adoption is a huge theme in star wars huge trope you see it all the time but specifically just like how his story of like Yes, I, I am adopted, but like I'm going to acknowledge, like, yeah, I had a, a family before I was adopted into this fan in into this family, and you know how he deals with that, and that that is a lot a lot to think about, much to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we just have one more question left today, um, and I guess we I feel like we've talked so much about so many things, but is there anything in convergence that you're surprised people picked up on or anything that you maybe hoped they would but you haven't seen anyone talk about yet so anything fun like that you know I I'm glad I, I I'm glad that people picked up on Axel and Gela's feelings <laughs> um because this you know my editor uh did say I was like this book has so many feelings it's it's and I'm like yeah it does all everyone feels like that is the a, a convergence story um and and so that has actually been surprising that people have been really receptive to uh almost a lot of I I don't go looking for reviews uh because I love myself too much um <laughs> uh, I of course appreciate everyone who's reviewing and you know that's important for all writers but I I do think you know I I do respect that that's like a reviewer reader's place and it's not for me to be like okay unless I'm invited into it right like this um I I'm really I was really surprised pleasantly surprised that people have reacted well to all of the emotion in in this Star Wars book because I I mean there's there's fighting and lightsaber action. And uh, I really love, one thing that I I would love to see, I would just love to see fan art. Uh, there are a couple of scenes where I'm just like, you know, I should commission fan art for this. <laughs> one of my most delightful, like the most delightful parts of writing, uh, the scenes that I, that I was writing was um, when they go to the asteroid and they go to the rusty ranker and Jedi, she's like, you're not a Jedi. What is this happening? And that, you know, that scene was a lot, that scene was a lot of fun. <laughs> I want to see, there's like the wedding dress, but then the dress she walks out in when she's first like, so what if we got married? Um, because they're, they're like, everyone's like, why is she dressed to the nines? What's going on? Like, I, I need to see that outfit or just like that scene. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I know that that's gonna That's a whole sleigh. So... <laughs> So true. Um, I think then this is something actually one of our other friends um, of the podcast. So sorry. Uh, uh, Julia Christine 77 on TikTok. Um, she was talking about in her kind of thoughts about this book is that it feels very mythic. It feels like like this is a story that is told later on to people to understand the nature of things. And like that 
that is so great and like the the imagery that this creates the, the story's imagery and then also just like you know these people and it made me think about in light of the jedi how there's that one character right before he does pass away in a passion um he is reading a uh, like a romance novel and i'm like what if that is about ziri and fantu what then <laughs> what then this is their their there was there was once a romance a yeah. long time ago exactly um, something i, I always would love that i keep thinking like i know that at the end of midnight horizon yoda is telling wreath like oh well we need to look at the past before we can look, look to the future and i'm just imagining wreath silas closing a book that is convergence <laughs> of being like wow that was great i'm ready to fight marcian row now <laughs> oh my god i love me my i, I love marcian row <laughs> yeah he's oh, mark. he is crazy yeah we call him mark here <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I kept calling him Markion and I was like, it's not Markion, it's Martian. Okay. People everyone everyone says it different. So I think it's just kind of whatever floats your boat. It's like caramel or caramel. I call him Markiplier sometimes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh Marky. Okay. Well, with that, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciated it. This was a blast. Thank you. Thank you all for reading. Uh, it, I think that uh, your comments were some of the first that I saw. And I was like, oh, finally, someone likes it. Great. <laughs> I can go. I can stop. I can I can get off Twitter now. Um, so so thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, um, do you have you. anything else to like promote or? Um... I hope that you guys are keeping a lookout for the High Republic YA short stories that are going to come out next year. Can't tell you who I'm writing, but I'm sure you can guess. And uh, that's going to, so that's going to be a really great anthology. Uh, I have an adult romance coming out from Disney. It's called Kiss the Girl and it's a, a retelling of The Little Mermaid. Oh, love. I'm I can't wait for it. <laughs> cont- contemporary, so there's no magic. She's a she's a singer. It's actually just the Hannah Montana story. She takes <laughs> off her wig, and nobody can recognize her. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm actually working on that right now, working on the edits of that. So just uh, uh, on Twitter, I am the phrase Z like in Zorro, and on Instagram, I'm Zoraida Solo love well thank you so much thank you so much for joining us this week for rube helps pod race for updates star wars news our reactions to the high republic phase two and more cursed shit follow us on social media at rube helps pod race on twitter instagram tiktok and tumblr want to ask us a question send us a question to our tiktok q a tumblr ask box or email us at rube helps pod race at gmail.com if you really love the show, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, or Overcast. And tell a friend who might be interested. It really helps the show. May the force be with you, and don't griff it up. <laughs>